Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. If I were to ask some of you today about the journey of life, um, you may be able to identify with some of these runners, right? You may be able to look and say, man, so if I would have shown a video with somebody with just a great stride, an amazing kick, and just a ton of endurance, and, and said, that's us, how many of you had been like, yeah, I do not identify with that at all. But you show some goofy runners up there, and we're like, yeah, I'm kind of like that dude. Yeah, I probably, have you seen some of those memes where they'll show what you think you look like? but then what you actually probably look like. And, and this is kind of like, like that, that really when it, when it comes to our story and, and the way that, that we want to chase and follow after God, sometimes it's not as pretty as we would like it to be. And as we've been talking about, let's unpack this, the, the whole idea behind this is, is sometimes we have to talk about things that are a little bit more difficult. And, um, and so there's kind of like this saying out there that let's unpack this, let's talk about this more. And last week I showed a video of um, Shallow Small Group. If you were here, it was, I think it's the most laughter I've ever heard in this place. And uh, the, the whole idea of it, let's start a small group where we don't talk about anything deep. Matter of fact, we'll just not even have the Bible out. And then he says... If it's packed away, it's packed away for a reason. Let's leave it there. And, and I, I, I believe that if we had that small group, there would be a lot of people like, count me in, man. And why is that? Well, some of the reasons are that we have to lift and carry a lot of things in life that are kind of heavy. And day to day, week to week, month to month, some of you are dealing with some really heavy, heavy things. Sometimes work, what you're, you're dealing with and, and where you're going is you're just, you're stressed. And the idea of coming home and, and dealing with really heavy items is sometimes really hard. And, and maybe marriage is hard or, or maybe some of your relationships that with family are just, they're strained. And so the idea of coming home and, and working on some of these things is really, really hard. And so sometimes at the church, it's hard too. So if I were to call this diet, let's say, we're going we're gonna to have a diet. Well, right away, the association with diet is potentially failure. The idea that, oh man, this is something that I need to do or I haven't done it yet. Just like when I say discipline, we look at that as punishment. We look at that as a negative thing. But really, what we are talking about today, last week was the discipline of purity, how we need to discipline ourselves to live lives of holiness and lives of following Jesus, that the importance of purity is, is just imperative to the Christian walk. Today, I, I'm keeping it a little bit lighter, but it's equally as important. We are talking about the discipline of perseverance. Now, these are my bright shoes um, in my little neighborhood. When I walk around with them, they actually glow. And um, people either smile really big or they just laugh at me. And uh, they were at Nordstrom Racks, and they were super cheap, and you can see why. But they were cheap, and so I bought them. For me, they were practical. And so here, I'm just going to leave this up here for the idea of running, the idea of perseverance. 
And, uh, you know, when it comes to looking good doing things, um, we as a church have been guilty of this for quite a while. And I, I think that I really do, I've seen a, a shift in this. I've seen the church doing so much better because there was this idea for so long that you had to look the part. You had to look perfect. You had to look like you had everything together. And the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes life is very hard. Sometimes it is very messy. And I, I've had a lot of conversations with people that they said, when I come in, I feel like I have to put on this facade when I'm deeply hurting inside. And, you know, we really need to remember that as a church, we need to be here for hurting people. And we all go through times of hurt and of pain. When, when I think of looking the part, I think of when Jane and I were dating and we both um, snowboarded. She was much better than I was because I'm from North Dakota. We had a hill. <clears throat> and so my experience was smaller than yours here in, in Minnesota. <clears throat> but there were a bunch of you know, young guys at the restaurant we were working in and where Jane and I met. And so we said, hey, let's go snowboarding. It's going to be great. Now, if you don't know this, Jane and my wife was one of the first of three sponsored females in the state of Minnesota when it came to snowboarding. So she had a whole bunch of really cool gear and things because she was riding with the guys. And so she was good. She knew technical things, which I did not. And so I went with my mindset. I'm a North Dakota boy, right? So, hey, let's go. Okay, I'm I'm fearless. Let's do this thing. And so we go. I think it was Afton, um, just about, what, 45 minutes west of here, for those of you who know that place. And we went, and this group of people from the cities, they looked good. Like, they were styling. I didn't know about this culture. Anyone want to guess what I was wearing? <laughs> close to Carhartt, I was wearing my brightest orange hunting gear. Blaze orange. I'm practical. You dress to be warm. This is what I was taught. You don't go outside, right? And so from, I had my blue airwalk boots, which I still have. I've kept them all these years. From the bottom all the way up, I was blaze orange. And I was really offended because Jaina barely wanted to be seen with me. <laughs> and, and to make it worse, I, I was so fearless. And I always learned these type of things pretty quickly. And I was already riding, but I went off all the jumps. And I was flying everywhere. Everybody from the chairlifts on saw me. And I was pretty much on my own because these cool-looking people were like, who is this dude? We don't know him. I had an ugly run and honestly, I didn't care a whole lot at the time. The, our, our Christian faith has had a, a lot of problems here because we were so consumed about how we looked. And as parents, so many of us were so worried about having good kids that we forgot about raising them as followers of Jesus. We forgot that the importance of following Jesus is so much more important than just having somebody who is behaving at that moment. I don't know about you, but sometimes it gets hard when we're dealing with the facade. 
when we're, when we're dealing with that, and it causes people to have a lack of perseverance. It causes people to not want to finish the race. I cannot speak for you, but I can sure, certainly speak for myself that I have been able in my life to relate with people's brokenness and their hurts and their pains a lot more than I've been able to relate with their biggest successes. Now, we as a church, we want to celebrate with the exciting moments like I was able to with my brother this weekend. We want to be able to celebrate that, but we also need to be able to mourn with those who mourn and be real. I, I've done the best that I, I can to, to be able to share some of my weaker moments, some things that I'm not so proud of in life because if I pretend and put a facade on, it's just not the reality that's in front of us as a church. For our church, I do not want us to for a, or wait for a, a seasonal spiritual boost like Christmas or to get us in the mood for faith, but to take incremental steps to prepare us for a lifetime of worship, of praise, and faithfulness of Jesus. That will sustain us in our difficulties. That will sustain us so we can minister and disciple those around us. Each step that you make towards Jesus is one step away from the world. And each step makes you stronger and more effective for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of your son, Jesus. I pray for those that are here today that are young. I pray that they will be encouraged to continue to run the race you have set before them. I pray, Heavenly Father, that they will start practices that will give them a lifetime of nourishment on you. I pray that, that you help them as they, they are being educated in all the areas of life, that they're looking for jobs and all those things, Lord. But I pray that you guide them and show yourself faithful in their lives. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are more in the middle-aged area, Lord. I pray for the concerns of provision and jobs and and relationship, and raising their kids, and how to pay for college, and all the things that come, Lord, in, in this time and season of life. I pray that you encourage them to fight the good fight of faith. I pray that you help them in their careers, and, and those careers that are maybe even coming to an end. I, I pray, Lord, that you give them strength to endure their hard days of work. Lord, I pray that you bless and strengthen their marriages as well. Lord, I lift up the seniors in this place. Lord, I lift up those that have paved the way for us to be in a place in a church like this. I thank you for the many sacrifices, Heavenly Father, that they have made, given financially, and the service that they've done in, in groups and in teaching and in all the areas in the church of taking care of young children. And Lord, I thank you for each one of them. I thank you for their faithfulness. And I pray today that you reveal yourself today a new way, Lord, to, that each one of them can be a minister to your gospel. And I pray that you give them the spirit of joy and gladness and pray that fear of tomorrow will not take hold, but your spirit of peace will come in place of fear. Oh, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you light our paths today. I pray that you encourage us and the rest of our time together. And this church said, amen and amen. I hope you are encouraged today when you leave. That's, that's really kind of the goal. Oh. You know, P.J. Fleck of the Golden Gophers, they're 7-0 right now. I don't know how that even happened. 
But, but he says, I have difficult conversations for breakfast. And I, I would say that that is not the norm. That is not the norm, which is why we're talking about unpacking this. And, and the discipline of perseverance is this discipline of stick to itness, stick to it, not giving up, that we have to have determination, resolution, and persistence. So why is this a problem? What, what's the problem? Why are we even talking about this? And, and I would say, first of all, some of us have stopped running and quit the race that God has put before us. We've just quit. Maybe we, we've run out of energy. What, whatever the case may be, some of us have quit. And we're going to look at what Paul says here in just a little bit. And, and, and I, I just, I find this language really interesting. Is, is he says, who cut in on you? All, all terms we're talking about, he's talking to people um, like athletes and using this language. Somebody is here today that somebody cut in on you. Somebody stopped your direction of chasing and following after Jesus. Somebody has disappointed you. Somebody has offended you, deeply, deeply hurt you. Maybe in your family, maybe at work, maybe in the church, you've been deeply offended. Somebody has cut you off. And Paul says to us, that needs to stop. You need to go back to your first love. You need to go back. Lastly, perseverance. Jesus tells us, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, about counting the cost of being a disciple. There is a cost, and we need to count it. And once we've counted it, we need to start running. Don't you know that we can only really run one direction at a time? That's why we need to be chasing after Jesus. Paul, the Apostle Paul uses a lot of metaphors. So the scripture today, and you'll see if you have your bulletin, it, we're really looking, besides the scripture from Hebrews, we do not know the, the author of Hebrews, we are really looking at the language of Paul in this, in this area. And so I have three brief themes for us today. And the first one is run to win. Say run to win. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. <clears throat> Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. Okay, I want to stop right there. As a Christian, this, this is where we get this language of, I have not arrived yet. Okay, we talked about this last week, the process of sanctification, that we are made perfect immediately. Well, we talked about, uh, in, like in Egypt, where the blood was put over the doorposts. When we accept Christ... God the Father does not see Dale DeMel as holy. He sees the blood of Jesus over the doorposts of my soul. He sees Jesus when he looks at me. Okay? Now, in this process of becoming holy and God making me more like him and being discipled, this is sanctification. This is the process. I have not arrived. I will not arrive until I am standing before Jesus. Okay? And Paul is aware of this. He says, not, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. There again. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind 
and straining all this language of pursuing and of athleticism of what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to what? Win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That prize is heavenward in Christ our Lord. Paul is using the language of an athlete, the language of people who are training for something. 1 Corinthians 9, and I have uh, verse 24 up there. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run, so this is to you and, and to me, run in such a way as to get the prize. Run to win. Run to win. This is so important, friends. He was a very disciplined man, Paul was. He wanted to make sure that in Corinth and in, in Philippi and all the other believers would not run and start this race and then quit. We run to win. We run to receive the prize of Christ, the fulfillment of his promise and of our faith in Jesus Christ. What is motivation for people to run? I don't know. I don't know. Why do people run? So that's a really good question, isn't it? <laughs> some of you are like, yeah, I, I still can't get motivation to run. Some, some people, just they just love to be stretched to their limits. Some people are just competitive as all get out, and they're, they're like, I, I, I'm not going to lose. I'm, I'm going to do this. And so they have, they have purpose in, the, in these areas. Some people, it's a way for them to unwind. Some people, maybe there was person of the opposite sex that kind of said, oh, I'm, I'm going to prove to them that, you know, that, that was motivation for him. But there had to be some kind of motivation, some kind of motivation to run. And in the same way, what is your motivation to continue to follow and pursue after Jesus? Now, Paul is a Roman citizen. He saw and he knew about the games that were going on. This was a big deal. They were all aware of it. And so Paul, using this language, was very, it just stood out in their minds, just like we see in, in the New Testament so much on agriculture and, and how the, the gospel is like a seed and all these things about working the ground. It, it made sense to them in their minds. And just like this as an athlete made sense in their minds. People understood the significance of physical training. And we see that here today. As well. So regardless of your age and where you are in life, God is telling you today to finish the race, to win it, to keep going. And I'm here today to tell you, keep going. Run to win. And may, maybe you're at a place yet and you're like, I haven't even started discipleship. I haven't even started training yet. Let's start it. Some of you have been training almost your whole life. You've been discipled and you, you know things. And I want you to keep going. Keep going. This week, I listened to a podcast, and I was, it was an, an hour, almost two hours long, and it was an interview of a guy who is now 80 years old, and some of you know him. His name is Gordon McDonald. And, oh my goodness, I, I was almost in tears from the beginning to the end of it as he shared his journey of ministry and in his journey and what he's seen from being raised at, at, in the uh, Second World War and during the Cold War, and he talked about how eschatology became super, super important in the church because every, they were just certain the Russians were coming. How many of you remember Russian drills? 
Some of you here remember those drills in school? You just were so concerned. And he said that the preaching started to reflect that. And he started talking about the preaching of today and what's happening. And it it was so amazing. And he said, he said, now at 80 years old, he said, I had, had always had a calling to preach, but he wanted to step out of the pulpit before he would lose a generation, and he really felt strongly about that. So at 60, he retired from that, and he started to pray, and he said, Lord, do you have a second calling in my life? Is there something else? And he started to pray, and he started to pursue Christ because he was in it running to win. And this is what he said. It was so powerful. He said, I started to see that now as an older man, I started to speak into people's lives and they were looking at me differently. And I realized that my calling was now to be a father to another generation. And he said, so when I wake up in the morning, I ask, I ask myself and I say, Lord, who do you want me to be a father to today? Wow. Wow, that is somebody that we need to follow after, amen? To have the heart of saying, all right, Lord, this this is where you had me. This was this season in life. What's next? How are you gonna use me? And I think that there are people in here today that needed to hear that, that you have more, that you you have more than just one purpose to fulfill, that God has plans, plural, and purposes, plural, for you. Okay, there can be a few more amens in this place. This is important, needs to get in you. I want this inside of you. Run with purpose. There has to be purpose to run. Why else would you do it? I, I, I remember trying to run on a treadmill. I mean, first of all, I can't run straight. So you can really tell, you know, you're afraid you're going to hit that and then stumble over. And then the other thing is you're not going anywhere. It was really, really difficult. I, I knew that it was important. I know I need to exercise. But good grief, your scenery stays the same. You work so hard and your scenery stays the same. I want to go somewhere. So that's just not the right motivation for me. So we need to figure out what motivates us. Is your purpose enough? Will you find time and reasons to continue to pursue Christ? If not, maybe your purpose lies in the wrong place. Everyone who competes in the games, go into strict training. This is uh, 1 Corinthians at verse 25. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. We're going to talk about that in just a second. In Galatians 5, verse 7, You are running a good race. So remember, this is running with purpose, okay? You are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? What kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you? A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Paul is saying there is a penalty for deceit. There is a penalty for those that, that start to push people away from the things of Christ. But look at what Paul says. He says, number one, somebody cut in on you. 
somebody persuaded you to quit or somebody is throwing you into confusion. So the way that I, I read this right here, there's, there's three things and he compares it. So those of you who are bakers or like to, to you know, play and knead dough, you know that you just need a little bit and then you just start pushing that in, right? And then it works its way through the whole batch. And in this world, we are dealing with the lack of purpose. We are dealing with those that have, have blinded us and confused us. Somebody who's cut in on us. Somebody who's started to persuade you in, in ways that are outside of what Christ has told you and how to live. And Paul's saying, no, you cannot forget what you've been taught from the beginning. Has, has the yeast of this world began to work through your life? Because if it has, you're going to start seeing the fruit of the world and not the fruit of Christ. In two separate occasions, Paul writes, and this is in the same language, it's in Philippians 2 and Galatians 2, that Paul, after all this preaching and planting of churches, he starts to get concerned that maybe some of it was done in vain. Maybe some of his energy was put in the wrong place. And I, I can identify with that. I, I have sown into people's lives. I have done youth ministry for many years and I've seen kids that are no longer following Jesus and there are times that I said Lord was I wasting my time and I want to encourage you today that your time was not a waste Paul Paul discovered this that that he was not wasting his time but he had to ask the question and I think some of us here if we're really honest with ourselves would probably agree that there are times that we feel like maybe some of the effort and love and what we've poured out has been a waste but it is not for the sake of time we need to move on to run with perseverance our last point Hebrews 12 1 through 3 therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything, say everything, throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that is so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured on the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary, that you will not lose heart. I want to encourage you today to fight, to run to win the race that God has put before you. I want you to run with purpose. I want you to persevere our circumstances in this place may vary, but they do not define our faith. Your circumstances do not change who God is. Your circumstances do not change what God has called you to do and who he has called you to be. Lastly, James 1. Would you please stand with me? This is when you open up the book of James, the brother, half-brother of Jesus. This is what it says. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. You are to continue to run the race that God has put before you because there is a blessing for you in it. God has things for you and blessings that I can't even pretend to say what they are in the fulfillment of your perseverance and chasing after what Christ has put before you. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.